Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. I have a really fascinating guest on today. Michelle Ranavat is somebody that I met through my community of boss ladies here in LA. And I was instantly fascinated by Michelle because when we first met, she was in the process of launching a whole new skincare line um, called Ranavat Botanics. And the whole background on Ranavat Botanics is it's a luxury skincare line that's inspired by ancient Indian rituals and traditions. So I loved that right off the bat because it felt really unique and original. But then as I started to get to know Michelle, I found out that she hasn't been at this for like 10 years. This is something super new for her in her career. And as I started digging into her background, I find out that she's got an engineering master's degree. And so I was like, okay, wait, I got to know how the heck did you go from an engineering degree? And I think there's something in the middle and then to having your own skincare line and ending up in where, where, what uh, was it? Nordstrom? That you just Northam, um, well, Neiman Marcus now. Neiman Marcus. Northam is going to be launching very soon. So. Oh my god, which is crazy! Like that's like the end all be all. And how long have you been at the skincare game? Um, I want to say the launch was August twenty third, so not right. that long. And so not that long. <laughs> no, the company formed in January, of, like almost a year ago. Actually, is when the company formed. So, which is insane and incredible, and I want to know everything. So. Michelle, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. And yeah, start us in college. What were you doing? Um, I, I know now you didn't go to school to be you know, a skincare CEO and founder, but how did you start out? Uh, well, thanks for having me, first of all. I'm really excited to be part of this. Yay. And I hope this helps some of you guys that are sort of thinking about making that switch. I mean, definitely for me, um, skincare was is just not something that I thought about. You know, I grew up in a very traditional Indian household. My dad's a chemist. I mean, my mom's an uh, uh, interior designer. So I think there was a little bit of that um, creative side as well. But I just really grew up math and science heavy. And so in school, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do, you know, my dad had this chemicals business and I just like loved numbers and I really fell in love with the certainty of it all. And so I did um, an undergraduate in engineering management and then right after, I thought, I, I really, I swear to God, I thought I was going to be a professor. Um, so I went you to- still can be. <laughs> I, I still can be, and I live near UCLA, so I'm actually not totally crossing that off my list, so maybe one day. Um, but yeah, and then I, I wanted to go you know, to grad school right away. So I did a master's in engineering management at Tufts, and that sort of like exposed me a little bit to the business side of things, you know, industrial engineering. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's like a very business-based engineering discipline. So you learn all the background of like the science behind everything, but then you're talking about like operations and supply chain and how do you manufacture things. And I was just like, to be in a manufacturing facility for whatever reason was really exciting for me. So, Which I think that's, that's an important thing to note because I think we we underestimate often how the things that excite us don't excite everybody, right? right? Like when you find something that you're like, oh my God, a manufacturing facility, this is amazing, this is so fun. To somebody like me, I'm like, that sounds boring, that sounds lame, I would never wanna do that. And so don't forget, like if you've got something like that, don't, don't assume that everybody else also thinks it's really cool. That's usually a good indicator of something that you should kind of follow a little bit. 
Totally. And I think the interesting thing, and I know we're going to get to this in the future or later in this talk, but I think it's those things that can even be used on a broader scale. Um, but my first ex exposure to a manufacturing facility was we went to a sub-zero factory. So making those refrigerators in, because I went to school in Madison, Wisconsin. So that was like, oh my gosh. and my project was to get how can they, like, what are the inefficiencies in their supply chain on, like, how the guy, like, puts together this, like, refrigerator door, and, like, he was, like, bending over to do it, and, like, we just did this whole revamp of their workstation and, like, made it more efficient, and it was really exciting for me. I love that stuff. That's actually kind of cool. Like, I like, I love efficiency, and I love making mm -hmm. processes streamlined, and, totally. okay, so I didn't realize that that was, like, a part of engineering. Oh, that's... That's exactly what industrial engineering is about. It's about huh. efficiency, like even if you think about lines and like how lines form and like how different lines are in different stores, like it's all about understanding those processes and how like to understand if it's appropriate for your business in that specific space. So it's just a great like life sort of. Yeah, that feels like it could cross so many different industries. Totally. Like be really applicable. Okay. So you're doing that. You get your master's degree. Then what? So that, um, to put it in context, was in 2004, and at that time, like, the hot thing was Wall Street, and every, you know, I was in Boston, because I went to Tufts, and it was really close to New York, and, like, I happened to be dating someone in New York as well, so, you know, that, I mean, my husband, Emil, now, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, that might have been an influence, and I just, I got this job from Lehman Brothers, and it, at that time, it was just this, like, really prestigious place. And in, they like loved industrial engineers because they love like non-traditional finance background. And I was in this like number crunching role. So like all the mortgages that were coming through that Lehman Brothers was like creating. And like, I was just like crunching through those numbers and sell, packaging them up and selling them off to other people. And it was like, I was in this like machine and it was so, I, at the time, I mean, I just, it felt really cool and empowering and I just love to see like my someone in a different field, like value my background. No, that's a really good feeling. And it kind of makes you think that, okay, well this, this degree or degrees in your case, they can be transferred to kind of a lot of different areas, which, you know, I think most people feel like their degrees aren't even good for one area sometimes. So it's nice to know that you can put yours to work in other places. Well, I think, you know, technical degrees, I, I feel like people think that they're like, it's just something different, right? And it's all a mindset and the way that your mind works. So I think that the goal is like, hey, if you're going to crunch numbers and you're going to do something, you can apply like the science background to like any field. And I think that's what the people on Wall Street thought when they hired engineers. They're like, oh, well, these guys are really good at math. So they can, I'm sure they can do this like finance stuff. Right. So that was really nice to see. And I loved the idea of like crossing into something different, being in a different industry that I never had any experience with. And I mean, it was fun until like four years later when no, was it? the whole company went bankrupt and I was... So were you there during the whole financial collapse? So I, I mean, yes and no. Like I got let go like two months or three months before the like actual bankruptcy of the company and which ended up being a good thing. Like I was laid off like in, I want to say like May or something. And I think they like filed for bankruptcy in September. And I was like, so depressed like oh my god like my life is over this like job was so powerful and cool and now like everyone's evil there and it's like it was really and like we were made out to be villains I mean no one cared about me because I was <laughs> like an analyst but still I mean it was like a weird feeling you know to sort of think that you were on top of the world and then realize that you weren't 
Um, and then I feel like that's a good life lesson though, in your twenties, big time to feel like you can't fail. And then four years later, there you are. I mean, and I think that was important. I was, you know, in undergrad, graduating undergrad in 2007. And so right before everything went to hell. And I remember at that time being like, whoa, this just shows me that nothing is guaranteed and nothing is certain. And even the biggest of the big can still crumble, which is both humbling and totally pessimistic. Like it feels very pessimistic, but you know, you can throw an optimistic spin on it, right? Nothing's forever. So embrace the impermanence. Totally. I mean, I think had no one really pushed me out of there, I, I literally would probably be still sitting in New York and doing the same thing. And like, I never would have explored all these other passions in my life. And it's interesting. There was like something that I was listening to about the founder of Lyft and he was at Lehman Brothers too. And his like aunt was like really high up there. And he's, she said, quote unquote, why would you leave a sure thing like Lehman to start your ride sharing company? <laughs> you know? So and I'm not saying anything bad about her. I just think that's what the No, mentality. but that was the mentality. So yeah. And, and I was, you know, of course, like I was really like upset. Okay. I'm laid off early. And you know, I didn't know that the firm was going to collapse at that time. I just thought like, Oh, well maybe, you know, whatever, something just wasn't right. And, and then I, that was a blessing because I ended up getting a job right after that with like a, um, like a, how do I say this? Like an investment banking type private equity firm that did deals in renewable energy. Like I sort of specialized in renewable energy and financing these like wind farms and carbon credits. And so you got to be a good guy again. (laughs) Yeah. So then I was a good guy. Um, and it was great because like literally had I got laid off in September, there were like zero jobs at that time. So having a little bit of a head start was great. Um, but you know, honestly, there was not much to do and I felt very, Um, I just didn't have any drive and I thought like, what am I doing this for? You know, and I, I sort of was down about that and, you know, that's where I make sort of the next, um, shift in my career. Which is? Which is. So my dad, um, called me and he's like, you know, you've been on Wall Street for six years. Like I, I have this business and, you know, I would just love some help with it. And so he sort of convinced me, he's like, you know, you've been, you can always go back to finance and, I just thought, look, this is an opportunity to spend time with my dad. Like he, his company is probably about 30 people. So it, it, it's not like, you know, you're like sitting right next to that person. Like he's like, you can stay in New York, open your own office and just like help me grow this business and begrudgingly with zero expectations and like no real other alternative. I said, yes. And literally that led me to like one of the happiest, like seven year periods of my life. Wow. Why was it so happy? Because, you know, working with your family, I mean, there's definitely challenges, like, don't get me wrong. Um, But it's a time that I will always remember. And I honestly, I learned so much. I mean, even if it's like, oh, you're selling these like raw materials to like make new drugs to cure cancer or to, you know, what anything like it's really all the R&D that these pharmaceutical companies do. Um, We're providing those chemicals. And it's a really weird space. And I think everyone was starting these like really sexy businesses like class pass and like, you know, like cool things that were, and I was like, oh, I'm doing this like chemicals thing and it's <laughs> kind of weird, but like I actually really like it. Um, but what it did is it combined my finance, like my business acumen. Like I always loved doing that. I saw how my dad ran a company. Um, I was really into, again, like supply chain processes. And I'd like go to these factories in China and Switzerland and everywhere. And I that doesn't like, sound like it sucks either. No, it was great. Like, it's just not sexy. So it's kind of like immediately you're not like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm changing like the people's lives. 
but I actually kind of think I was like, I think it was this like little area that I could like do something fun with and work with my family. And like my dad and I would go on these like great trips to India and China and we'd like meet all these clients. And it was just, it was just fun. I learned a lot. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that sounds like such an amazing experience to get to learn not only from an incredible business person, but like who also happens to be your dad and, you know, get to go to these amazing places and travel and learn something totally different than what you had been doing for what, seven years or five or six years at that point? Yeah, it was like, I want to say four, yeah, four to five years before. And then it was this like seven year chunk. And I swear it just went by so quickly. It was it was great. And I did a little bit in every department. So I worked, you know, on the sales side, I worked on the quality side. Um, and honestly, I was really content. No That's idea. awesome. So what happened after that? What would make you leave something like that to go into another great unknown? Well, so to put like now my like personal life in perspective, at that time, I just had had my second son and I had like the work at my, I mean, it was, it's a great, it was a great experience, but I was working a lot there and I just never had that like headspace to really think about anything really. And so I, you know, I was on maternity leave and I was like doing all these like Ayurvedic treatments. Like my mom, you know, after you give birth in India, like they give you this like milk that you're supposed to drink and this like pastry that you're supposed to eat. And it's all supposed to help with like, you know, breast milk production and like just getting your body, um, I guess like the vitamins and minerals that it needs to like actually sustain what your body's going through. Um, and so I listened to everything she said, even though it sounded kind of hokey to me. Um, and it totally worked. Like mm. everything worked. I felt like it just was baked into these like traditions and it felt really natural. And at that time I was just like, Oh, this is so weird. Like, you know, this like I, tea that my mom gives me and then like the cookies that I'm eating and like all of it, it just like, it was all really working. And when you look at what people are talking about now, they were referring to like the same ingredients, like fenugreek seeds and this and that. And it's like, now people are kind of getting into it, but this has been stuff that's been passed down for so many years. Mm. And I was like, totally fascinated. And then I kind of like took that to another level. And I was like, wait, what if I start like mixing some of the stuff for like my skincare? And I just got like, so into it. And like, I saw the results. And the one thing that I also noticed is that there was this total, like, if you go, like, you just couldn't get access to it. Mm. Um, like if you wanted to mix sandalwood powder into your mask, it was like, well, you can order from, you know, Amazon and it may be like fake and it may be real. I was going to say like, how legit is this stuff you order from Amazon? <laughs> yeah. Like not even that legit. And then it was like, it may take one or two weeks. And I'm like, well, honestly, something like sandalwood powder, it's worked for 5,000 years. Like people should have access to that. Like, why is it not more readily available? And like, that's when I got really passionate about creating this. So that's amazing. So when was this? When are you like starting to think about this new idea? It was about September of last year. Okay, so, so like, September of 2016. Yes, of 2016. Wow. Yeah, exactly. I know my brain's been in 2018 for like six months, even though, yeah, technically at time of recording this, we are not in 2018 yet. Um, that's amazing. So, okay, fine. You have an idea. Everybody's got ideas, right? There's lots of people that are like, you know, what would be a great business? This, but then it stops. So what made you take that next step? So I just, in like going through and thinking about like making these concoctions and understanding the quality of ingredients, I thought to myself, wait a minute, like 
I know about ingredient quality and like I've gone to every <laughs> plant and every facility and like do I know anything about skincare? No, not really. But like that's not what I'm basing this company off of. Like what Ranavat is amazing at is like finding the best quality of X, Y, and Z. Like mm. the formulas are really, really basic. And that's because I'm not a I, that's not me. Like I'm not a formula. Right. There's like one or two ingredients, but those ingredients are so good that in my opinion, you don't need anything else. And I'm just like sticking to my core competency. If I like tried to pretend to create these elaborate formulas, I mean, I just, I'll be honest, I don't know what I would be doing because I'm not like a chemist. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I got, I got really into it and I started, you know, like experimenting and, and finding these things. And I just realized that so much of what I, my dad had taught me in terms of you know, finding good quality, like understanding how to import things from, you know, other I mean, people. that part is what feels the craziest to me is being able to communicate across different continents, mm-hmm. get what you want, be able to actually make it happen in a timely manner. And I'd love to hear, I know that everybody that's had anything to do with production and manufacturing can commiserate with, I'm sure a lot of the struggles that, you know, I know that you faced with just getting things. Oh my God. What was the product? Was it honey that you couldn't get for the life of you? I couldn't get this Manuka honey from New Zealand, which is like literally like- I saw that in Trader Joe's. No, it's like a powdered form. Oh, okay. Only a place in the world that has like this high. So in, when you make Manuka honey into a powder, you have to add like maltodextrin, which is like a starch. So this one has like the highest percentage of like this pure honey and they don't like adulterate it with like sugars or anything. And like, they, this is the only place in the world that makes it this well. And so I'm like, well, I'm getting it. And it was like, I just remember it was 90 degrees or hundred degrees in LA. And they were like, well, there's a snowstorm in New Zealand and we're not going to be able to. And I'm like, wait, how is this happening? <laughs> um, but that's literally what I did for seven years. Like my dad, like I, we would, when I managed the sales, like I had to make sure that the people got their products. And a lot of our products, like we have an enzyme guy that's like, in Greece. And then we have, like, I mean, who doesn't have an enzyme guy? Let's be I know. <laughs> Everyone should. Um, then you gotta have your peptide guy in Japan and you have to have your amino acid guy in China. And so we just like always went to certain places for certain ingredients because nobody is good at everything. And that's sort of like the philosophy that I took. It's like, yeah, we're like Indian inspired, but if Manuka honey like sucks in India, like I'm not going to go there to do that. <laughs> right. Fair. So So yeah, I mean, so, okay, so I had this idea and then to kind of like bring it into context a little bit more, of course, like I had to talk to my dad about this because I'm like, you know, dad, I'm so excited. Like, what do you think? And he's like, I know nothing about skincare. And I'm like, well, you don't have to know anything. Like, it's like all traditional. So it's like already done. Um, And he was, and I like was a little bit worried to tell you the truth. I was like, if I like say that I want to leave, like what? And I was like so entrenched at that time. And I was like, no, what if I like, you know, he's like almost 70. Like, what if I tell him I'm like leaving his company? Like, how is he going to feel? And um, he told me, he's like, Michelle, I didn't create this company so that you could just work here, like, and work on my dream. He's like, I created this company so you know how to run a business so you can create your own dream. And I was like, and he's like, of course I support. He's like, I want, he's like, let's go to India. So literally like the idea was September, November, Thanksgiving, we're like on a plane and we're like going to these like farms and talking about like beauty. It's really funny. That's amazing. What a supportive parent. Yeah. I mean, Uh. if it were me, I mean, it's just hard because it's like, he's been building this dream for so long 
And I'm sure he would love for his kids to like carry on the business and, and all of that, but he actually legitimately just cares that we learned something and that we became passionate about something. That's a, such a good life lesson, like for you to then turn around and be able to give to your own kids. And, you know, I think so many people get stuck in this um, expectation loop, right? With their parents. And then as a parent with your kid, and so many people that I know who are unhappy in their careers, so much of their hesitation in getting something that they actually want to do comes from not wanting to disappoint their parents. Mm-hmm. And so that's incredible that you had somebody that's like, screw it. Let's get on a plane. Let's go do this. Yeah, let's go. And it's like, I mean, you meet it. He's such a like math and science guy. And he literally sat through all these like beauty lectures and learned about these like beauty treatments. And it just like, it's going to be one of those like, moments that I will always look back on and that feeling that I had when the two of us were just like conquering this like Indian, this unknown. And it was like so exciting for me. And just to see his like, the fact that I know this is not something he's into and just to see his energy and his passion, I will like never forget that. That's amazing. Okay. So how do you go from exploring India around Thanksgiving to let's fast forward a little bit to like, how do you even decide, um, like what products to put out there? Like, how do you know? I mean, I'm looking at it from my perspective. And if I were to just try and start a beauty line, I wouldn't even, I, I don't even know where I would get a container to put powder in. Like, I just, no idea. So how did you go about like doing the research, figuring out all of these elements of a business that you're, you know, pretty much starting from the ground up? Well, I guess I never covered this before, but I've always been like a beauty addict and I, people have always asked me like, Hey, what's like the right moisturizer for me to use? And what, how do you get your skin to like that? And I just always, for some reason, people like trusted my opinion and I always had an opinion. Like I was always <laughs> looking into things. And, and so I feel like for me, I know a product when a product is good. And that's because I like really do a lot of research on different beauty products and I try things out and I, I feel like I sort of get what people want out of it. So that was one thing that I sort of just had over time and it was like a, um, like a hobby for me. Mm. Um, but then when it came to like Ayurveda, which, you know, I honestly don't have a huge background in, I mean, we were for people that don't know what that is, explain just a tiny bit. Oh, so it's, I never know how to pronounce it. I always read it and don't say it. You can say like Ayurveda. Okay. There you go. Um, so what it is, is this medicinal science that originated about 5,000 years ago. And it was really just like the medicine of India. Um, and so it uses, and India is like this incredible biodiversity. So like, you know, it's actually started in the South where it's a lot warmer. So they have all these oils and these oils have like uses and it's extremely scientific. And that's why actually I say the line is inspired by it because if you actually look at what Ayurveda is, it's a recipe book. So it's like, you have a cut, like what does Ayurveda say you should do with it? You should put this oil and you should do this in this exact proportion. Um, and then there's doctors. So you can be an Ayurvedic doctor and they have like, it's a very formalized process. Um, and it's interesting because when I used to go to India, like early on, everyone would want like the latest, like, Oh, can you buy me like a Mac lipstick and like <laughs> a L'Oreal, like, you know, cream or something. And then now when you go to India, it's like, they've embraced their own culture so much more. They're so into this like Ayurveda thing, which is kind of funny because it's like their own thing. But they had this like infatuation with like the West and like what we were doing here and like Americanizing things. And now they've sort of like kind of gone back. And I absolutely love that because yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's culture. And Embrace your roots. 
Totally. And it's funny to think that like people there weren't even doing that. And now they're everyone in India. This is like a big thing there too. Well, I feel like it's starting, I mean, you know, Los Angeles isn't exactly a, a you know, microcosm of the US, but I feel like you can find an Ayurvedic doctor, you can, you know, mm -hmm. pretty much most places you can pick up a lot of the things that you need to be able to pull this off. So I'm very into it. I'm glad that it's coming, becoming more mainstream here. Yeah. And I think it really stemmed from the idea of wellness as like a general lifestyle. You know, it's not like you can eat like crap and never sleep and right. then put a lotion on and like look amazing. I mean, it's a holistic approach. Totally. And now people are like really into that. And I think that's also sort of part of why I think this, there was some traction there. And I think it's because people were looking for a solution. Like they're just people, you know, there's like moon juice supplements and like things that people are ingesting. And like a lot of those ingredients, like literally are in my product. And if you think about it, it's just a different way to ingest. Yeah. Um, and they're all like, just have an amazing track record of, you know, actually proving to have results, you know, within this science, which is, which is amazing. Okay. So you've got your products, you've got everything together. This is now you launched officially in August of yes, 2017. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, walk me through the process of like, you're obviously handling every aspect of this business for the most part, right? Now I know there were some pieces that, um, you outsourced and, you know, had other people do. What was your, what was your feeling behind that? Or what was your thought process in deciding what things to stay in charge of and what things to pass off to other people that maybe could do it better? Well, I mean, honestly, I think I'm still figuring that out. And it's always hard when like, yeah, ideally there would probably be a list of 10 things that I want to outsource, but then there's also like cost <laughs> issues that you have to <laughs> sure, there's that. <laughs> so I think there's just like definitely this balance between what are the things that I'm passionate about and focused on? What are the things that I can actually afford to have other people do? And what are the things that I just have to continue to do until I like have more scale? And so I would say that like a lot of the like creative side of it, I mean, I'm just not trained in Photoshop or nor do I like care to, you know, start learning all that. And I think people um, can do such an amazing job. And so I think I, my first thing was like, I need to find like an agency that like really gets this vision. And I actually ended up working out, working with a team out in Australia on it. Um, and for they, the labels and things like that, the packaging. Yeah, for just like the packaging, the logo, just the overall brand. And you guys, it, it's so beautiful. Like I, I mean, it, Yes, the products inside are wonderful, but like the boxes, you guys, they're so pretty. <laughs> like all of the packaging is something you'd be proud to like put on your bathroom counter, you know, for people to see. And that's actually exactly the goal because Ayurveda, and I was like thinking for so long, I'm like, why is like Korean beauty? Why are people so obsessed with it? And like India has such a great culture and this like history of beauty and beauty secrets and beauty treatments and like royalty and like nobody is doing any of it. And I realize a lot of it is around like integrating it into like a nice lifestyle. That's not like, I don't think now the people that do yoga are like Birkenstock wearing people. Like it's so much more mainstream now. And I think that's where, what was lacking in the, maybe the Ayurvedic space is that it's still like really crunchy and not mainstream. And like, that was the goal. Like I want something to look like royalty to like have it feel luxurious and like create a luxurious ritual out of it when you're engaging in these treatments so that it's something that you want to do that's not like a medicine that you have to take which I think is like what traditional Ayurveda is like. 
That's a very interesting point. Yeah, I think you've done a really nice job of modernizing it and making it sleek, sophisticated, but still maintaining its roots. I mean, I love that you don't include a bunch of random ass products inside of it because things don't have to be complicated to be good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good at that. So that's definitely like, you know, another thing. It's like I want to focus on my core strengths as much as possible. And, you know, kind of back to your question on like the vision and, you know, what the the team did. I mean, yeah, I think they just really worked on making sure and we did a lot of like mood boards and just like, I think in my mind, I always had this like vision of what I wanted it to be like a little French inspired anthropology, like it's very anthropology. Yeah. And that was like a goal. And so I, I, I feel like that's important. I think like if you just outsource things and you're like, Hey, like make something really pretty, like that's not going to work. But I think you can still outsource something and say like, look, I have this vision in my head that like, these are, this is the inspiration. Like you have to come up with like something that's really meaty and then they can like really come up with something. If you keep it open-ended because you're like, well, I'm outsourcing design. So I just told them to do the whole design. That's not going to, you're not going to get back something that connects with you. You know, that's, that's a very solid point that goes across a lot of different spectrums. And what I mean by that is the more specific you can get with the people that are helping you, whether that's Mm -hmm. when you meet somebody at a networking event and they say, what are you looking for right now? If you just leave it open ended, you're like, whatever you've got, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. That's actually, that actually hurts your chances of getting something that you actually want first and foremost, because you've given them nowhere to start. And second, because then, you know, I talk about this a lot, but you go in the miscellaneous bin in their brain of mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to like, what tag to put on this person in my, you know, personnel file in my brain. So they're just going to go in the miscellaneous bin. So when outsourcing as an entrepreneur, you do, you have to kind of almost give like direction, but still allow for flexibility for that person to then put their spin on it and their own flavor. And obviously they're good at what they do. Otherwise you wouldn't be paying them to do it, but yeah, give people something to work with you guys. Yeah. I think you have to like, if anything, you just have to have a real idea of like that feeling that people should get. Cause that's what branding is. It's like giving someone this like emotion to connect with and like, well, how are you supposed to feel when you hold this product? And if they don't have that, there's like nothing that they can do to help you. That's a very good point. It's good that you knew that from the get-go. And so we're just over a, a year out of launch. Uh, what's going on now that it's, uh, now that it's, um, so what's going on now that you're officially out into the world? Now, you know, I think it's a lot of the processes were happening, you know, I got to get my packaging, got to get the word out, got to, you know, a lot of brand identity was happening, which was great. It was super creative and fun, but now it's like, brand awareness has to happen. And, you know, even if you have the most amazing product, like if literally nobody knows about you, um, doesn't matter. Know, right. And There's a lot of noise in this world. A lot. I mean, and people like their attention spans are awful and it's just, it's hard to like sort of communicate. And I think my like 2018 goal is to really distill everything down. Like I focus on purity, which is like focusing on pure ingredients, like discovery, like taking you somewhere you can't just go and buy it you know you can't you can buy like a lavender tonic on amazon like easy peasy but is it going to be like you know hand-picked lavender from the himalayas that like have has these like amazing like properties from the minerals and like is it going to take you on that journey so you want to have like what are those things that i'm bringing to the table that like 
are not as easily accessible or like what is differentiating me? So it's really purity discovery and then a ritual, which mm -hmm. is giving someone that feeling and that moment and building out what it should feel like when you're using these treatments. Um, and the idea is to just take those three things and like really hone in on my brand and say, this is how I want someone to feel. And then like try to get it out into the world. And that could be through digital marketing, through podcasts like this. Like that's why I'm, I'm so excited to be here to talk to you because it's really, it's all these different mediums that can expose different little areas of that brand that can like just bring it a little bit more to life for people. Um, and so that's really what I'm looking to do in the new year is like connect on a deeper level with what it means to be a part of our community. That's awesome. I mean, this ties into career too, in terms of using your network and leveraging the relationships you have to get the word out about, you know, for you, it's your product and your company. For other people, it's that they're looking for a new position or, you know, they're looking for new clients or they want new, more experience in an area that they don't have any in. It's, it's so much about starting with your community first mm -hmm. and then having them help you, you know, along the way. I think that's really important. No, 100%. And I think, Community is like critical um, and I, I just really value and I'm thankful for you know people like you to just be like these community I don't know like you're just like the center of creating these amazing communities and connecting people and enriching people's experience because that's like really what we want in life honestly if you like get kind of philosophical about it but it's like you want yeah, at the end of the day you want <laughs> connection totally yeah and you're providing these amazing products that I think self-care is a big thing right now. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially as women, I think we've spent a lot of years as, you know, a gender not taking care of ourselves and putting everybody else first. And I think we're starting to see this self-care movement really happen. And the idea of ritualistic behaviors are so good for that. Self-care Sunday is something I try and stick with at least once a week, even if it's not on Sunday. But yeah. you know, I did a face mask this morning. So I was like, you know what I haven't done in a little while? A face mask. My face That's me. why you look extra glowy today. I have thank to you. Oh, thank you. It could also be the ring light. You know, it's false glow, but whatever. <laughs> so, um, no, I agree with just one thing on that. I think there's something important to touch on. And it's for me, what, I, what I've really learned is a lot of times what we do, especially when I was working at Lehman Brothers and Investment Bank, it was like, get me to my vacation. And like, that's the five days in the year that I'm going to enjoy life. And I'm going to oh, like, just sucks. that's sad. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I mean, I probably work just as hard now with different with, you know, having kids and like a business, but I live my life every day for like the little luxuries that I have. And like, it could be like, this luxurious like body oil that I, you know, our Mighty Majesty is like such an amazing treat for me in the morning after shower and I'll put it on and I'll feel like transported for that like two minute experience. But I'm like enriching and like making myself feel special in these like little ways every single day. And that's like what I think creates like a sustainable and like more just generally like happy sentiment versus sort of like just compartmentalizing it into like this one period of time where like supposedly that's like when you can, you know, really just like let go. And it's like, well, why don't we just, we don't have to be that crazy about it. Like, why don't we just do little things? Little mini let goes every day. Yeah. Every day. No, I could not agree more. There are so many people out there living for their one week vacation or for the weekend. And that's just not, I mean, it's not a sustainable level of happiness to your point. No, no, no. And it's, there's not much fulfillment that comes from that. And, you know, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and 
every single one of them will be the first to say like, oh man, no, my life is not easy. And I work probably more than I ever did at a day job. Definitely in the beginning, making way less money, but it's, it's happy a little bit every day because mm -hmm. there's that fulfillment there. And you don't have to be an entrepreneur to have career happiness. In fact, I would mm -hmm. argue against it entirely, <laughs> but unless you can't not do it. That's the only time you should be an entrepreneur is if you can't think of doing anything else. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a day job and you're just struggling to find that happiness, just know that it's already there. Like you can mm -hmm. choose to find those little moments of happy and relaxation and decompression throughout your day. Even if it's going on a, you know, a 45 minute walk instead of you know, making a lunch. I, at the job I hated, ugh, um, I would go on my lunch break. I would just go on a long ass walk mm -hmm. and just kind of stretch my legs and like get some oxygen flowing through my blood. And it just, it increases your happiness even just a little bit. And that's just a walk. That's free. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, there are lots of ways to accomplish that, but I love that. So I mean, what's next? What do you think? Like, and it's totally fine if your answer to what next is more of this. I think that's a really cool thing if that is a situation, but you know, this time next year, what do you, what do you hope will have changed or amplified in your business and your life? Um, well, I mean, I think, I guess that is a tough question. I, I think that there's a few goals that I have. I mean, I think it's been such a great experience to sort of get in certain doors, you know, from a retail perspective, but what I would love to do um, again, it's like create a deeper connection with the customer myself. Mm -hmm. So not only, you know, is it, and I think treating someone like royalty just goes beyond what we're trying to have people do for themselves, but that's sort of the philosophy that I live by and like how I want to treat my clients. Like now that I have clients, I guess, um, is to make sure that they feel royal. Like, you know, mm -hmm. Neiman Marcus should feel like I'm really supporting them. So I want to do, you know, in-store events and, and really just make sure that they know that these relationships are important to me. So that's sort of one aspect. And then I actually want to, you know, keep my home organized in the sense that like my own e-commerce site and like actually build like content and, you know, not just send, Hey, I think you'd like this product, but what about this? Have you thought about this interesting concept or idea in wellness about like healing bracelets and what that can do for mm. you or just whatever it is, just like bring some cool issues to the forefront, create a more like, you know, deeper, um, community and see what happens. I mean, I have like a lot of really random dreams. Like one could be like a retail store. One could be like, like a brick and mortar, you know, one is like, I don't know, a tea line. Like I have so many different. Ooh, please people. make a tea lounge. I would love, oh, well, I want to combine the retail store with the tea lounge. Obviously. Can you have a spa in the back too? Obvi. Um, okay. I would cool. love that. Great. And it has to like, but you know, it's like, you gotta put one foot in front of the other. Absolutely. And, like, be successful with what I've already been given. And I feel like chasing these like other cool things that are like pie in the sky ideas is great. And I'll still continue to think about it. But my first goal is like make who I have right now that's like supporting me, make them feel like royalty. And until that's like totally set and done and like it's something that I can do, I'm not going to move on to other projects. That's smart. And I think that's something a lot of people, setting goals can be a high level form of procrastination sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I'm, I know this because I've done it so much of my life where I'm like, I'm just going to set a bunch of new goals, forget the goals I've already set. And it's like, well, then you're not actually, there's no point because you're not actually following through. And then there's something to be said for not half-assing what you've got in front of you to your point. Like you've got 
it's almost like bloom where you're planted, right? Like don't be worrying about the gardens that you're not in. Like no. really expand where you are and blow it out. Do it until you've done the best that you can do. And then you can keep moving forward. Yeah. And I think then you're even just naturally when you're successful and put your energy into what you have now, you're just going to get those opportunities that you want. And I think it's actually probably a more efficient way of going about it, frankly, even though it seems slower. But I think my whole like goal is that like you just can't build like something, you can't build this feeling and this connection with people overnight. Like you have to, you don't just like meet someone and get married to them. Like you have to like develop a rapport. And that's like how it is with your clients and your community. Like no one's going to trust me immediately. So I'm okay with that. I just know that it's like a long game. And so I'm okay spending like more time at earlier stages because that just means I'm just taking care of the people the way that I want. And it's sustainable growth. Mm -hmm. It's not crazy. I mean, and yes, you're going about it very sustainably and, and thoughtfully, but it's also only been a year, you guys. Like, this is awesome. Like, you're killing it. You're doing so great. Every time I see a new Ranavat thing pop up, I'm like, oh, there she goes. Go, Michelle. You're doing great. Well, thank you. Well, I think a lot of it is like people, it's a positive community. I feel like I've just gotten a lot of like really good energy on people being like, I want to see you places. I want to see you do things. And I'm like, well, that's great. I'm glad. And like, let's put that more out or out more into the universe and maybe like it'll happen. So, I mean, I think a little bit of it is like, I have this dream and this idea and people connect with it, but the rest is sort of up to everyone else to sort of help out and be excited. And I'm just glad that that's happening. Yeah. Which is why having a community, whether it's, you know, people you're stuck with anyway at work, your colleagues mm -hmm. or your friends, your family, your past colleagues, your past bosses, whoever, or self-imposed community. Like I'm an extracurricular floozy. I'm part of way too many groups, but mm -hmm. you know, it, I, it feels like you're never in it alone when you've got mm -hmm people around you who are kind of at the same level as you vibing at the same frequency. And I think that's, you know, Michelle and I are lucky to be part of the boss ladies community, but there's so many out there. So I highly encourage everybody, if you're not part of some professional or personal community group, it could be a rec sports team, but just like surround yourself with people that you feel comfortable sharing in these like highs and lows professionally and personally with, it makes all the difference in the world. Oh, it makes all the, I mean, I think having my dad was like great. And that's like a person that I look up to, but then you also have to have people in your day to day that you can connect with that. Like he's, he has his own business. Like he's already at a different level. It's kind of nice to be with people that are just starting and struggling with the same things. Like he's always like, Oh, well, when I worked from home, like that was such a cool moment in time. And like, you know, he like looks at back, back on everything fondly and I'm like, well, sure. but I'm in it. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not like, you know, so you kind of, it's nice to have those cool mentors that have done things that like great, but then you should also mix it up with people that are like at your stage. Um, you know, because that's also extremely valuable for different different reasons. No, you're totally right. And I think there's a lot of focus on finding a mentor and that kind of thing. But I think it's just as important to build a tribe of people in the same phase as you mm -hmm. around you because commiseration, no matter what the situation feels good. <laughs> no, totally. I need it. Could not agree more. Well, Michelle, I'm so excited for everything that's coming and that's already happened. And we'll be sure to link to all of Michelle's various Ranavat Botanics links and social handles in show notes um, and keep an eye out for her because you know next thing you know she'll be on your bathroom counter too no well, I can only dream but oh. thank you so much Bailey thank you, it was Michelle. Such a pleasure and I just I hope that 
this is helpful for all those like dream makers out there. I know it will be. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you.